Awesome. Thank you, Colin. Um, before I before I kick into it, uh, it's great to, to see you all. A lot of faces that uh, I'm remembering, um, others that I don't don't know. So yeah, good to meet you. My name is Graham. Um, Ken, thank you so much for what you shared before. Um, I have no idea what you're going through as a whanau, um, but uh, yeah, Grace, Grace and I we're we're very much uh, been praying for you and um, yeah, we we want yeah. So bless you and and your whanau. Okay, let's, let's get going. So when you think of a righteous person, what comes to mind? Not rhetorical. I want to, this is interactive here. We, Graham. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> How about some more accurate answers? Righteous person. What do you think? Huh? Him. Ken. Right. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. What about some more like uh, attributes of a, of a righteous person? Big loud voices. Is it? Sorry, I didn't hear. Oh, trusting in God. Yes, I heard someone else over here. Honourable. Big loud voices. Made right with God. What else we got? What about this side? Honest. Yeah, we've got. I've heard nothing from this side yet. Someone who keeps their promises. Knows what's, knows what's right and does it. Yeah, good. So all, all of the, the, these are very positive things. Now, same, same question, but when you think of an outcast, what words come to mind? Rejected, yeah. Unloved. Unvalued. Not wanted. Man, this side is this side's killing it. What <laughs> Being judged? Yeah. Cool. So let, let's just hold hold all those words for just a moment. My goal today is very simple. I want us to fix our eyes onto Jesus. That's all I care about today. Is that we as a community will be looking to Jesus and all of the awesomeness that he brings. We're going through some tough circumstances. And the thing that I can only encourage you to do is to look to Jesus and keeping your eyes fixed on him. That's my goal. That's my agenda. Okay? That's where we're going. To get there, we're going to look through an awesome story, two parables that Jesus tells in Luke 15. The lost sheep and the lost coin. And I love, I love these two parables. So we start off. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now, there's some two really important characters there. Well, three because Jesus is in there as well. Tax collectors, who are they? Tax collectors are hated. You don't like tax collectors. <laughs> Essentially what a tax collector is, is that uh, the... Um, Roman Empire, they had completely dominated all of the areas surrounding them, and they wanted their taxes. So what they would do is that they would employ people in, the, in towns to collect tax on their behalf. Okay, So already, that's not so fun. It's literally your friends and your family are saying, look, I need some tax because the oppressors, the people that have absolutely dominated us, 
they need their, they need their money. Okay, so that's, that's them. So already, not the most nice, not, not, not the people that you really want to be friends with. On top of that, they also had a deal with Rome. That they, if, say they had a quota of a thousand, whatever, money, <laughs> dollars, um, they had a thousand. If they got anything over top of that, they got to keep themselves. Okay? So if you got 1,200, you get to keep that 200 yourself. Okay? So they're known as people that would go and, and, and get more tax than they actually needed. Okay? So they are not liked people. <laughs> they're hated. They are literally the enemy and they're the same culture as you. Then we have this other group, Notorious Sinners. And this group, is, this group is fascinating because they had done something to violate the welfare of their family. Most often, this meant that they had done something immoral. More often than not, it was sexual in nature. And these people had been specifically designated as sinners. And they have barely any standing in the religious community. They, they, they have done something so wrong and immoral that they want nothing to do with them. And these are the people that are coming to listen to Jesus teach. Absolutely amazing. The thing that just absolutely blows my mind is that in Luke 14, just previous to this, we get this statement. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The amazing thing here is that Jesus has just been out outlining what it means to be a disciple, be his disciple, the cost of what it means. And then the people that we find that are actually more orientated to discipleship are the outcasts, the rejects, the people that the society does not value. These are the ones that are coming to listen to Jesus. They are more his disciples than the next group that we're about to meet. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Now, this word here, complain, it's quite hard to translate because most translations, most different translations of the Bible use a different word. But they all kind of get the same point across. They complained. They muttered, they grumbled, and they growled. These are not tones that you use when you're trying to make a friend. Complaining, muttering, grumbling, and growling. This is what this group of Pharisees and teachers of the religious law are doing. This word literally means heavy complaining. Like there's a constant buzz of negative murmuring. And their complaints against Jesus 
is that he is welcoming tax collectors and notorious sinners to listen and to eat with him. Now we hear that today and we're like, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, I'm right there with you. But for the Pharisees, they're like, this is, you can't do this. This is blasphemy. Jesus, do you actually, what's up? Jesus, do you know who you're actually associating with right now? And then I love this. Verse three, so Jesus told them this story. <laughs> just, I'm just gonna tell you a story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. The important thing to know here is that Jesus is saying this to the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law. These people, they have dedicated their entire lives to knowing the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament scriptures. They know them back to front, front to back. They know they have memorized these scriptures. So what would often happen is when someone would say a story like this, their minds are automatically trying to make an association with what happens in the scriptures. And this is exactly what happens here because when Jesus is telling the story, their minds are going to Ezekiel 34 where it says this. There's a few slides of this. It's really awesome stuff. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink their milk, wear, their, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills, across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you have abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. So that's what they're hearing. That's <laughs> a pretty pointed thing to say. <laughs> but then I love these two verses that follow here. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I mean, how good is that? I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. 
Now, I love that because that gives me so much hope. The first two slides, the Pharisees are getting absolutely slammed. <laughs> and then that's us. We're the scattered flock. I mean, so good. Go, God. So Jesus is basically calling out the, the righteous people, the righteous people, <laughs> telling, like through telling them this parable. He's telling them, You've, you're the ones that have actually lost your way. You've forgotten what is most important. Instead of trying to protect your own interests, your interest should be that of the flock, which is the community. Don't worry about your own ego. Look for that flock. So then when we come back to the parable, verse 7 is where Jesus really makes his points, his point to the ones who are listening. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Jesus is saying that while he's spending time eating with tax collectors and sinners, the worst type of people to the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, the point is that Jesus' key mission isn't to reinforce the practices of the righteous, but to find lost sinners and return them back to God. In that way, while there might be 99 righteous Pharisees and teachers of religious law, it's fundamentally more important that he spend his time with tax collectors and sinners. Because if just one of them repents and returns to God, that sets off a celebration in heaven that will be that we could just that is unrivaled anywhere ever. <laughs> we could put all the celebrations here on earth combined, and it doesn't get anywhere close to what happens in heaven. So that's the, that's the first story that Jesus tells. Then he tells he tells a second a second parable. Well, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp, sweep the entire house, search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, as important as the one sheep is to the 99, the lost coin out of the 10 finds even more urgency in finding what is lost. The woman that Jesus portrays here is a village peasant living in a house with no windows, hence the lamp, and so is presumably living in an economy based on bartering. Her coin then likely represents her entire family life savings. Now for some, 
it's not very much. One coin equals about one day's, one day's wage, give or take. So 10 coins, 10 days worth of work. For some of us, that's like, man, that's pocket change. You know, I'm spending that every day. <laughs> for others, it's like, man, 10 days worth of ten days worth of work for saving that. I can't even dream of having that much. You know? So we're, we're all in different camps when we come to this. But for her, it is, this is literally everything. <laughs> she doesn't have anything else. So when even one coin is lost, this is massive. The great thing about these parables is that they are, when we, when we read them in context, I've given you a bit of context, an understanding of the different characters and, and what's important. The, these parables are actually quite easy to understand. They have a lot of significance to them. And the great thing is, is that Jesus, what Jesus is doing here is he's telling the exact same story twice, which for me, I'm like, that's helpful because sometimes the Bible's hard to interpret. So here is what happens. This is exactly what happens in each of the parables. First, we identify who the main character is, the shepherd and the woman. Then we see about the description of the loss and the search that then happens. Right, so the shepherd leaves the one it leaves the 99, goes searching for the one. Imagine that, that'd be weird. In the wilderness and searches until he finds the lost one. The woman loses, uh, has, has 10 coins. She loses one. She lights a lamp. She sweeps the entire house, searching carefully. Then we find out what was lost has now been found. There's talk of rejoicing with friends and community over the recovery. And then finally, the main point of both of these parables, Jesus explains the connection, the meaning of the parable, which is rejoicing in heaven when a lost sinner repents and returns to God. Right? So this is what happens in both stories. One of the things that is really important about parables is that they're, so, they're meant to be so easy to understand that you can actually identify yourself into the story. You can place yourself into the story and identify with different characters. When we think about the people that Jesus is talking about, the outcasts and the righteous, Who do you identify most with? Now, you, you can't be Jesus, okay? So Jesus is the shepherd and the woman. You can't be either of those, okay? But when you think about it, the righteous 99 or the one lost sinner, what I want you to do is chat among yourselves. Who do you identify with the most? Okay? If you don't want to be a part of this, you don't have to. Um, just look straight ahead, ignore the person next to you. That's fine. You don't, I, I encourage you to be involved. You don't have to. Okay? Who do, in these parables, who do you identify with most? Okay? We'll take a couple minutes and then we'll come back and, and chat about that.
Make sure to give someone else a chance to talk if they haven't already. <laughs> Oh, that, I wasn't calling you back. Everything just died out. You can keep talking. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, any, any brave people want to share who do you identify with the most? Yeah. The righteous sinner. It wasn't one of the options I gave you, but I, I like it. <laughs> yeah. The coin. Okay. All right. Again, not one of the options I gave you, but I like it. That's good. You're thinking outside the box. That's good. <laughs> Maybe one more. One more. Who, who do you identify with the most? So good. Yeah. The sheep that was lost. The sheep that was lost. And I'm, and I'm so prized and valued that I'll never be barbecued. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Where do you go to from there? I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. That's good. We, we can work with this. Um, Hey, I, want, I want to tell you a story. Um, uh, I've waited seven years to tell this story, and I finally get to tell it, so I'm really happy. Um, Colin and I, we, we studied together. Uh, we, we trained as pastors together. And, and part of our training is that over summers, we would get sent to different churches, and we would, we would pastor those communities for three months. Lots of fun. Uh, my first placement was, my first summer placement was in a town called Otrahonga. Anyone heard of Otrahonga? A lot of you, cool. I say that in Auckland and they're like, oh, what? is that West Auckland? I don't know. We're not too sure. All right, cool. So you know where Otronga is? About an hour south of Hamilton. Cool place. Um, I get there and uh, a family asks if I can house sit for them while they're away for two weeks on a holiday. Yeah, sure, I can, I can sit a house. How hard can that be? Um, then uh, they, they tell me that they have two sheep. And I'm like, well... I'm, I'm, I'm city through and through, okay? So when it comes to animals, I have very limited experience outside of cats, okay? So they, they, I'm like, two sheep. How hard, how hard can it be, right? <laughs> I've only heard good things about sheep. That can't be too hard. Um, the, so I get there, and, and the way that it's set up is in the, they're in this big pen, and they each have a big stake in the ground, and they've got long, a long chain that they're, 
they're attached on. So they, they can cruise and they can roam around. Um, what, I, what I learned is that, uh, make, I'll make sure I get these, these right. I can't remember the names. One was a, was a U, is that what you call them, U? Yep, girl sheep, yep. Um, and, and man, she was terrified of anything. A slight breeze and she's freaking out, you know. A, a fly goes by her face and she, you, she's just lost it. So she sees me and she's just like, oh my gosh, I am going to die. <laughs> so she, anytime she sees me, she is just terrified. The other was a ram, which I didn't know what that meant until he literally charged at me. <laughs> anytime this ram would see me, it's just like, all right, we're, we're doing this, all right? So he would just charge at me. One day, the, I don't condone this, but one day it got me, it got me and it really hurt and I tried to punch it in the head but it hurt me more than him because his head is so strong. Don't condone punching sheep, but lesson learned, right? Um, so so th- these are the two sheep that I'm looking after. Um, one day, yeah, Colin does know this story. One day I, I, I get back from church. I just preached and I'm just exhausted. I'm just ready to go, go to sleep. I drive by and I see the ram and I'm like, cool, ram's here. I'm like, where's the you? Because they're not supposed to get out because they're in a pen. They're stake in the ground, tied up. This ewe is not there. And I'm kind of like, I don't know much about sheep, but that's not right. <laughs> you know? that's, that's not supposed to happen. And what, what had turned out, uh, I, I hear this barring from, from a distance. And what it... No. Cannot give you an example. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crying out. And what it somehow, I don't know how it had done it, but it had got, it freaked it out, freaks itself out so much that it had got stuck in a thistle bush. And I'm there thinking, what do I do? The people aren't due home for like a couple of days. What? There's no one else here. And is this up to me? Like, oh, gosh. So, and it had stuck, it got itself stuck in there really well, you know. So, so I, I, I run inside and I put on as many layers of clothing as I can. And this is over summer, it's hot as anything. And then I'm, I'm in that thistle bush and I'm pulling the sheep out. It hates what's happening. It does not want to be there and it doesn't want to be anywhere near me. It is struggling. It hates the situation to, so much. And here I am, I'm pulling this thing out. It's struggling. It's fighting me. It's trying to kick me. I'm sure it's trying to bite me. And I'm, I'm pulling it out. <laughs> and it, I eventually get it out and put it back in its pen. <laughs> the weirdest thing happened. The next day, this sheep had never gone, come anywhere near me. The sheep, for the first time in its life, <laughs> in interactions with me, <laughs> it came up to me. And it was so stoked to see me for the first time. Now, I don't tell you that story to make me look like a hero because I couldn't care less. I tell you this story. (laughs) I tell you this story because this is exactly what God is doing with us. We are stuck in that thistle bush. We don't want to be there. God comes along. More times than not, we're like, God, I'm fine in this thistle bush. Leave me alone. But God, he gets in there. He pushes through the thistles. He pulls us out. 
and puts us safely back into the pen. This is what God does for us. I want to invite the the music team up. So today, today is all about Jesus. (laughs) If you identify most with the 99, the group that is safe, the group that is already in the community, what are you doing to keep your eyes fixed onto Christ? Because that's, that's the most important thing you can be doing with your life. Looking to him, fixed, straight, staying there. What are you doing there? Maybe that's connecting in with a life group, connect group. I mean, there are so many, so cool. You're spoiled for choice. They will help you to keep your eyes fixed onto Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is, you're in the best place you could possibly be. (laughs) This is a community that loves him so deeply, that know him and want others to know him. If you're one of them, if you don't know Jesus and you want to know who you want to know Jesus today, and would love to have a chat with you about that. We really would. Because that's really what we're here for. We love him. We want others to know him. And we want to keep our eyes fixed onto Jesus. Let me pray.